If you were here this morning when Chris opened the meeting, you can now go because he preached my message in two minutes. Good job, Chris. He's a talented man. It was so fun to hear about Robert speaking about the Gideons, and I talked with Karin, and we remembered as we grew up in South Africa that every child that went to high school, when you were a freshman in high school, there would be a meeting of the entire high school early on in the, in the first semester, and all the freshmen would receive Gideon Bibles. I see the Kofis are nodding. That's how we roll in Africa. <laughs> Everybody got that. I still have mine. I'm sure Karen still has hers. They were just red. Uh, but it was a special thing to get that Gideon Bible. They do amazing work. We're thankful for them. Have you ever heard these stories about people that um, inherit these huge sums of money without ever knowing that they were going to inherit them. One of these stories is about two brothers called Zoltz and Giza Pilati. They lived in Budapest, Hungary. They were immensely poor people. They lived in a cave outside of the town and they collected scrap metal and sold it for pennies. And one day they were contacted by charity workers in Hungary who had been contacted by lawyers in Germany where they had a grandmother. Now, one of the brothers said, we, we realized that our mother was from rich family, but she was a difficult woman and she broke relationship with her side of the family. She later abandoned us before she eventually died. And so what they did not know is that German law says that if you have an inheritance, that it has to go. If they can find next of kin, children, grandchildren, it has to go to them. And so these two brothers and a sister who lived in the United States at the time shared their grandmother's four billion British pound inheritance. Wow. It's like kind of, can I see show of hands? Who is waiting for the call? It's shocking. It's dramatic. It's unbelievable. And really... Many of us would like that to happen to us. What we're going to see, though, this morning as we look at Ephesians is that it actually has happened for many of us. Everybody here that is a Christian, that has already happened and in a way that is more amazing than the four billion British pounds that they received. So as we continue to dissect Paul's mega sentence, verse 3 through 17. We dissect his mega sentence. We are going, we've seen already that there has been some really amazing things that God has promised to us. And we're going to see more of that this morning. We're going to see a dramatic and unbelievable account of unsuspected and undeserved inheritance 
that is ours that's going to make the Pilati brothers' inheritance look like chump change. How's that? We've seen already redemption through His blood. We have seen forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. We've seen God making known to us the mystery of His will. And now we're going to see how these spiritual blessings also include our inheritance. So read with me, please, Ephesians 1. We're looking this morning at verses 11 through 14. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Pray with me, please. Lord, as we delve into this scripture this morning, these four verses, I pray, Lord, that you will show us the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that you will use my broken words and our broken understanding and through your Holy Spirit will make known to us what you desire to teach us. Through this scripture. We ask that you will quiet us now. And help us to listen. And to comprehend. Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we see verse 11 says. In him we have obtained an inheritance. It's amazing. It's amazing words. Christians have obtained an inheritance if you're a christian here this morning you have obtained an inheritance it's part of the spiritual blessings that paul is listing here for us in ephesians 1 and so the question obviously that pops up to us immediately is okay what is it tell me what is it what did i inherit what is this inheritance he talks about it's a good question if you ask that question Our inheritance that we look at here this morning is wide, and we are going to just look at one facet of it. Our inheritance is we inheriting from God. And there's two two components to this. There's a present inheritance, and there's a future inheritance. Our present inheritance, what is it? We'll start with this. We are redeemed. We are redeemed, church. That's our inheritance. Therefore, we do not live anymore as sinners before a holy God, but we lived as His redeemed. We live as forgiven men and women who has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your life and my life that was on a track, a straight track, think Siberian train, long track, heading for destruction, 
God has changed. He has redeemed. He has rescued and he has rerouted our track. And now our track does not lead to destruction anymore. Our track leads to God. That is our inheritance that we have right here and now. Our inheritance is that we are together here this morning as children of the living God. That we have community. That we are not enemies of God anymore. But that we are His children. His beloved. Our inheritance now means that we have a sure hope. A sure hope that the lives we live here now, today, are ordained by the will of a sovereign God, by one who has good purposes in store for us, by him who, according to the scripture, works all things according to the counsel of his will. So as you sit here this morning and whether you have plenty and you're experiencing peace and health or whether you have very little this morning and you are experiencing calamity and illness, all of that is under the control of a sovereign God who loves you. That is your inheritance, church. That is my inheritance. And we can find great comfort in that. Our inheritance here now, we are not enemies of God anymore. What great words. That's part of our inheritance. We also have, though, a future inheritance Our inheritance is not just now, but it is future. There is an eternal life with Christ that awaits us. You see, our inheritance in Christ will find ultimate fulfillment when we are united with Him in eternity. That is when our inheritance will finally be fulfilled in Him when we have union with Him. First Peter speaks of that future inheritance like this. He says it is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So Christian, this morning, know that there is an inheritance waiting that is kept in heaven for you by the Father. An inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. And it is not in your hands. It is kept there for you. An eternal inheritance, a future inheritance When we will walk one day and be before our God and he will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more death. That is your inheritance in future. Can you imagine that day, church, when we walk and we stand before the seat, the judgment seat where God is sitting And we stand there free and guiltless. Guiltless we stand there. We are not afraid because we are guiltless. And we can sing worthy 
Worthy is the Lamb who sits upon the throne. Holy is our God. And we're not afraid because we're guiltless because of Christ's work on our behalf. And we will spend eternity with Him void of the decay of this world that we now experience. Void of the temptations of this world that you and I experience on a daily basis. Void of the heartache that is part of our human existence. And void of sin. Your future inheritance, church, includes being void of all those things. And it includes being in the presence of a holy God who loves you and who came to die for you. That is your and my inheritance. And so we can struggle now and we do struggle now. I was so thankful for Will's word this morning. Because I know it is true that there are people here this morning who struggle significantly with finances and with health and with relationships and with work and with a multitude of other things. But there is an inheritance that awaits you where you will be free from all of this. Where no more money problems No more broken relationships. No more illness will be part of you. You will be perfect. And you will live with God in eternity. It is your inheritance. It excites me to think of that inheritance. I can... I I struggle to think about that because I'm so used to this world and thinking of what is the next thing that's going to hit. But there's an inheritance that is going to free us from all of this. And so this passage answers three important questions for us about our inheritance. It answers the question, what is the basis of our inheritance? What is the guarantee and is there a guarantee of our inheritance And what is the purpose of our inheritance? We're going to look at those three. So the basis of our inheritance, we can also ask this question a little different. We can ask, what is our legal standing to receive this inheritance? What is your and my legal standing to receive an inheritance? Like with any other inheritance, there needs to be an established legal standing to be able to receive an inheritance. The fact that you have a rich uncle does not make you one day going to inherit his riches. There needs to be something, some, some legal link between you and your uncle which typically does not come from you, but come from your uncle that says one day I will make him inherit my money. And if there is not that basis, if there is not that legal link, you will not inherit anything. And so similarly, we ask 
We have to ask the question, what is our legal standing then as Christians to receive this inheritance that Paul speaks about here? And verse 11 makes it very clear what our legal standing ought to be. What it ought to be for us to receive our inheritance. It starts in verse 11 and it says, In Him we have, been up, we have obtained an inheritance. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Him clearly re- speaks here of Jesus Christ and in Him speaks of our legal standing that has to be in place in order for us to receive this inheritance. In Him is the basis or the grounds for our inheritance. You see, apart from Jesus Christ, the only ultimate and eternal thing that any person will ever receive from God is condemnation. Apart from Christ. God in His mercy allows common grace on all people. He makes it rain on us. He makes the trees produce oxygen. He gives us sunshine. But when it comes to His spiritual blessings which includes our inheritance, then we need to have a legal standing with Him. We need to be, according to verse 11, in Him. So what does it mean to be in Him? It means that it is those people who have found salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ and therefore are in living in a union with God. If we are Christians, if we have tasted salvation, we are in Him. There's a problem though. The natural man does not live in union with God. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This says that we are sinners that are separate from God. It says that we are not in Him. We are not in a union with God. And so neither you or I or any man or woman that has ever lived deserves this inheritance because we are separate from Him. And so if our legal standing must be in Him... But the truth is we are separate from Him. The question we have to answer is, how do, we, how do we remedy this? How do we get from being separate from Him to in Him? Because we desire to have this inheritance. But we are separate from Him. We ought to be in Him. How do we remedy that? This is the most important question you can ever ask. It's the the question with the most important answer you will ever hear. And so when we look at this passage, really all of Scripture, we see that there is a duality in the salvation that is needed to remedy our being separate from God to us being in Him. There's a duality that is a mystery. On the one side of the process of salvation, we see, according to verse 11, 
it says, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We also saw in verse four, it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So part of this transaction that needs to happen from going from separate from God to in him is him calling us, choosing us in him. But there's a second part of the process of salvation. The Bible is clear that we are not to be fatalistic in our approach and say, all right, then I'm going to stand here. If I'm chosen, I'm chosen. If I'm not, I'm not. But there is a very important activity on our part that needs to happen as we are chosen. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to seek God. And we have a responsibility to believe God. Verse 12 says, hope in Christ. Verse 13 says, believe in him. Church, we have an active role when we want to go from separate from God to in Him. There is a choosing that takes place, but there is an activity of every man and every woman that needs to take place. It is the activity of hope in Christ. Believe in Him. When we do this, There is salvation that takes place and we bridge the gap between separate from God and in him. So if you are not a Christian here this morning, hear these words, I beg you. You have an extremely important role to play in the salvation of your life and the redemption of your life. You have to seek God and you have to believe. You have to believe in the work of God. Of Jesus Christ, the work that he completed on the cross. Because that salvation, that decision, that belief will lead to being in Christ. Know this, that growing up in church does not make you a Christian. Neither does being part of a Christian household make you a Christian. Also, being a really, really, really good person does not make you in Christ. There is a transaction that needs to happen from being separate to Christ to being in him. Your responsibility is to believe. You see, Jesus came. He came to this earth, the only sinless, blameless, perfect man who has ever walked this earth came here. And when he lived, eventually he went to the cross. And on that cross, he became sin for you and for me. He became sin. It means that he took on our sin nature. That that separates us from God. That Romans 3 talks about. He took that onto himself. And in, in change... He offers us a righteousness that will change us from being separate from God to being in Him. And our responsibility is to look at that and to say, I believe that. Lord, I believe that. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for offering me your righteousness. I believe that. 
And if you believe that and you follow Christ, then you are in Him. It means you are a child of God. You are then a Christian. But here's the thing, church. Jesus is not our ticket to an inheritance. He is our inheritance. Hear that. He is not our ticket to an inheritance. When you choose, when you, ha- when you decide to, to choose, I will believe in Him. You do not believe in Him because you want to gain all that we talked about here and in eternity. You do not choose so that you can gain. You also do not choose because He is some insurance policy. Because I don't want to go to hell and I wish bad things will stop happening to me. No, that's not why we, cho- why we choose Him. We choose Him because He is our inheritance. He is the one who came, who laid down His life, who loves us, who on a daily basis provides all that you need for holiness. And so we, when we choose Him, we need to make up our minds that we want to seek Him so that we can treasure Him. Not benefit from Him. So that we can find our satisfaction in Him and not only from what He provides. So that we can enjoy Him and not the inheritance that comes from that enjoyment. So that we can honor Him and so that we can lay down our lives for Him. He is worthy of such a life, church. He is our inheritance. The legal standing or the basis for our inheritance is found in Him, Jesus Christ. And that is the only basis for our inheritance ever. So the question is, all right, Josh, I hear this. How sure are you about this? Because it makes me uh, very excited. But how sure are you? We're a very guaranteed focused people. You know, you go and you buy a new car. And either one of the first questions you ask or one of the first things the salesman will just tell you is, this car's got an amazing warranty. Used to be 36,000 miles, then 60. Now it's up to 100,000 miles, 10 years. It's nice. We want that. We buy cars because of that. Because it's got such an amazing warranty. We want that because it gives us peace of mind. It tells us they have so much faith in this product that they think it is going to last for 100,000 miles. And if it doesn't, they're going to fix it. It's not going to be on my dime. They are going to fix it. And so that warranty is our guarantee that the manufacturer feels, yes, this car is good. It's good for 100,000 miles. And so one of the obstacles we face when we think about our inheritance in future is that sometimes we read scripture that seems to rob us rather than present us with a guarantee. Hear what I'm saying. It seems to rob us rather 
then present us. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are holding to the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail to meet the test. Doesn't sound like a guarantee for me. It sounds like it's all up to me. Revelations 2 verse 10 that says, Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. So when I look at those two scriptures, I go like, can I meet the test? Can I be faithful unto death so that I can get the crown of life? By myself, the answer is no. I cannot. And that is exactly why We need and desire a guarantee because we know that we and ourselves will not be able to make the test. We will fail the test and we will not always be faithful until the end. And so if it is up to us, then then that inheritance in eternity may just slip away. But God in his great mercy gives us a Guarantee that if you are in him, this inheritance will be yours. So look with me at verse 13, please, of our Ephesians 1 this morning. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Praise His name. God the Holy Spirit, who lives in you if you are a Christian, is your guarantee that the inheritance Paul speaks about will actually happen for you. It's not up to you. We have the responsibility to live pure, holy lives. But it's not up to us to make that inheritance happen. It is guaranteed for you. I like how it is said. It says, you were sealed. You were sealed. When were you sealed? You were sealed when you believed. So this seal is like, remember you've seen this before in movies, where the king had a big scroll and he had a new decree that was written out there. And then in a dimly lit room, he had a little wax thingy that he lit on fire. And he drip, drip, dripped some of the wax on there. Took his big ring. And he put his seal on there. And the moment he did that and they unrolled that thing, it says, this thing which the king just did is official. This decree is official because the king's seal has been placed on it. Whatever he said on that document is done. It is sealed. You will follow this. This will happen. It's official. It's the king's word. So when Paul says here, you are sealed, it is as if God, when you make that Believe 
When you believe in Him, it is like He comes with His big signet ring and He stamps His seal on you. And at that moment, he's, you are His possession. His authority is on you and you are sealed for the inheritance that awaits you in eternity. His seal is placed upon you. It means that it is not up to me to make this happen because He has sealed me. It will eventually happen. We cannot seal ourselves for this inheritance. God, the maker and creator of this world, the one with absolute authority over everything, He is the one who sealed you, Christian, for the inheritance that awaits you one day. And he says here how he sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. I love this. I love this. When I look at John 14, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. If you're a Christian, then the spirit of God dwells in you, church. That is your guarantee. That is the seal with which you have been guaranteed The inheritance that is yours in Christ Jesus. Can you see the grace of God in our lives? Jesus knew, speaking of this um, John 14 section, Jesus knew that he was going to leave the disciples. He knew that he was going to give his life up and die and eventually be removed from them. And he knew that as they are left behind, orphaned and abandoned, they would be unable to live lives worthy of the calling with which they have been called. And he said, I will ask the Father. I'll ask the Father and he will give you a helper. He'll give you his spirit. He'll give you his spirit to live in you. And the Spirit will be your helper. He will convict you of sin. He will help you to serve God. He will be with you every day of your life. And so you and I received the promised Holy Spirit who is with us, who dwells in us. And He guarantees that the work that He started in us will be completed. And that then there will be an inheritance for us. Church, if God is so committed to our salvation that He would give us His Holy Spirit to indwell us, there should not be one grain of doubt whether the inheritance that is promised in verse 11 will come to pass for you or not. If you are a Christian, you are sealed with the Spirit and it is guaranteed. The inheritance is yours. It will be yours 
in future one day. We can just rejoice in that. But then we have to ask the last question. What is the purpose? What is the purpose? Why, why is Paul even bringing this up? It's a wonderful thing. Our inheritance is amazing. The, the, what we get from our inheritance is amazing. But why is Paul saying this? Is he just saying this to make us happy Christians? And the answer is, of course, no. And the answer to the question, what is the purpose of our inheritance, is right here in the scripture for us. And so if you look at verse 12, it says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And it says it again in verse 14. Start reading in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And so we see that the purpose of our inheritance is caught in those six words. To the praise of His glory. Our, in, our inheritance is amazing. And the privileges and the blessings that we walk in right now, as we talked about earlier, they are amazing privileges and amazing blessings. And the privileges and the blessings to come in our future Inheritance are amazing, but they are not the primary purpose for our salvation, and they're not the primary purpose for our inheritance. Our salvation and our inheritance are first of all to the praise of His glory. So when we inherit now, It is to the praise of His glory. When we inherit in future, it is to the praise of His glory. God did not save us. God does not promise us inheritance for our glory. He does that for His glory. John Piper, I love what John Piper says. He says, the most basic fact that you can say about the righteousness of God is that he has an unwavering commitment to his own glory. Everything he does, he does to heighten the intensity with which his people praise him for his glory. Ooh, there's a whole message in that. It sounds so countercultural. It sounds so selfish. You mean God is not all about me? No. God is all about God, as we should be all about God. So when you think of your salvation and when you think of the inheritance that is yours now and in future, do not think of it in terms of your gain, church, but think of it in terms of God's glory 
When you thank him for your inheritance, don't thank him. Lord, thank you that I am now free and that I'm going to have no suffering in future. Thank him that it is to the purpose of his glory. Because he is worthy of all the glory. Forever. And so church, our responsibility here is to purpose to live lives that will bring glory to him. He has given you the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. Without his spirit, we will not accomplish that. But with his spirit, we are able to live lives now in this inheritance that will glorify God. And one day when we are in the inheritance to come, we will glorify God. May he give us the power to do that now. I want to end by reading Psalm 96. It is a psalm that is celebrating God's kingship over all of creation. And I believe it is showing the praise of his glory. So please listen to this. Listen to the praise of his glory in Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the earth. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earths. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world it is, is, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Oh Lord, we thank you that we have an opportunity to live lives to the praise of your glory. Thank you that you have chosen us in you. Thank you that you have given us your spirit to seal us and to give us a sure hope for the inheritance that is to come. Thank you that he is our guarantee. Thank you, Lord, that you did not leave it up to us to live good enough lives to inherit 
eternity with you, but that you have given your spirit to us, that you have sealed us and guaranteed it. We are humbled by your grace. Help us, Lord, to live lives worthy of your calling. In your name we pray. Amen.